Irresistible Bitch, the final 1999 era B-side that I'll be covering, is the subject of the latest episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics podcast. Joining me to chat about the painful and helpless lyrics to this song, Snacks. Hello, Hello, Snacks. Hello, Jason. How's it going? Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. You're an actual musician. I mean, <laughs> I am not a musician, and I've explained this in previous episodes many times. I'm a lover of music only. I cannot play an instrument to save my life. I tried to play guitar, learn guitar about 10 years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. No, and it was just, I, I was able to get through like maybe one song, and then I didn't do it for a month, and I completely forgot it. So <laughs> okay. I think I just kind of left happens. that past. But um, but you're you're a first time guest on the show, so I am. Yeah, I think it would be a great opportunity at this point to introduce yourself to the listeners and you know give us an idea of what you do, and then also okay. after that uh, maybe a brief history of your connection to Prince's music, if you don't mind. Sure thing. Uh, okay, so like you said, my name is Snacks, and I am a musician at the moment. I'm living in Berlin, Germany. I come from the U.S. I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I traveled around the, the states, lived in several cities, uh, and did several musical projects before ending up here in Berlin. Um, I guess you could say my style is generally, I, I like to describe it as electronic soul, uh, mainly produced by myself using electronics. Uh, keyboards is my main instrument, but I can also play like guitar, bass, and drums. And I'm a singer and a songwriter, so um, you know I'm throwing all that into the into the mix. And I've released uh, four full albums, uh, a bunch of singles, and um, at the moment I'm I'm releasing on my own record label. It's called Random Records. I just put out last year uh, an EP of remixes uh, of tracks from my last album. My last album was called Shady Lights. And uh, if, you, if people out there are interested in hearing my music after this, they can uh, just Google me anywhere, Snacks, S-N-A-X, Snacks Musician. Usually that is the best way to search for it. And you can also find me on Bandcamp. And also my label has a Bandcamp called Random Records. So yeah, okay. I think if you're if you're Prince fans and you like funk and soul and electronic music and a lot of other different things, you might be into what I'm doing as well. Cool, cool. So how about your connection to Prince? My connection to Prince is uh, a very strong one. I let's you know I'm I'm a product of the '80s. Um, I you know I had my growing up in adolescence in the '80s. And uh, I think when, let's see, when, when did the album come out? It would, must have been 82, 83. Yep. Um, and this is when I first started to hear Prince's music on you know, the stations I was listening to. And so this would be the 1999 era. I remember hearing uh, Little Red Corvette come on. And I was like, yeah, okay. I thought Prince was a band. You know, I think a lot of people did. So did I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't been following him before then. Uh, and then it really clicked for me with Delirious. Um, that was the one that really kind of hooked me in, probably that, that keyboard line, because I was really obsessed with keyboards and synthesizers and everything, and drum machines, still am. And that one really did it for me. I just thought it was hilarious and fun and funky and just 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 charming and the whole bit. I just loved it. So got the single and then slowly just started... Um, you know, getting into the rest of it. And then, and then Purple Rain was just around the corner, so that sparked my entire imagination. And that's, you know, when you, you discovered all of the satellite groups and everything. And then, then I remember going to a record store and being like, wait a minute, this guy has four other albums <laughs> before <laughs> this one? You're kidding. You know, and then I was really, like, impressed by this guy. And, you know, I grew up, I'm the youngest of, of a big family, and there was music all always in my family and I had all my older brothers and my sister kind of pointing me pointing me in all these musical directions and I would sort of listen to whatever they were listening to and loving it you know like I was into the Beatles and my brother was really into the Who and I had another brother who was into like Emerson Lake and Palmer and you know I had a sister who was into David Bowie so I was absorbing all of that but and you know it was great but Prince was was mine you know he was I felt he was my discovery and that's really was sort of you know 
my direction that I went into. And he, he seemed like, even, even then he seemed like an amalgamation of, of, of so much of what had come before, but in such an original and cool way, you know? Um, plus, I mean, you know, being a, you know, I always knew I wanted to, to be a professional musician. So just someone like Prince is your idol. I mean, it's just, you know, the best because he, you know, he could really do everything. His performances were incredible. You know, he was just the whole package. So he was totally irresistible to me. And I was pretty much on board entirely up, up, up all the way through probably the graffiti bridge. Um, kind of when it started to fall off for me a little bit, probably because of the movie. Um, and also I was, you know, growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And getting into other things, you know, but nonetheless, I still followed him, you know, his whole career and, you know, got back on board for certain things here and there. Uh, but always loved him. Uh, and I was very into uh, Artificial Age, actually. I thought that was a fantastic album. And it was all the more heartbreaking than, you know, when he died. Um, so, yeah, he's been a huge part of me, huge influence. I think you can hear it in my music. And, uh, you know, he'll just always be a huge part of me and my creative process. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Snacks. I think it sounds like to me that we have a lot of parallels in terms of our connection to Prince uh, first hearing him and how the 1999 era really kind of sparked our interest in the man yeah. and the purple rain just cemented it and then mm -hmm. really really getting into that era and then what followed immediately and then um, sometime during the 90s just you know other things for me it was partially my age like i was a yeah me too teenager and in my 20s in the 90s so it was just time for me to branch out and, and listen to yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff that i was being exposed to through friends in college and just mm -hmm. just my environment allowed me to to switch things up and change things and i had a lot of different interests hip-hop and grunge music and just the stuff that was popular at the time exactly me too so as much as i still like you said followed kind of followed him and followed his career even though i wasn't i wasn't with the same fervor that it was previously i still knew what okay. he was up to i still kept an eye open for him and, and his yeah, yeah. stuff and then when he came, and I, I still there still would always be a little bit of excitement every time anything new came out you know yeah even though he was like releasing like you know things like so often or you know even like the you know the, the sort of like non-albums you know like old friends for sale and stuff like mm -hmm. that i still would always be interested you know i would be like well okay what is he about now you know what's he doing now you know he yep. was just that kind of artist where you just always you always had to check him out you, you know I, you, I could never ignore him completely <laughs> yeah and the fact that he was making still very strong music up until the end of his of his life it, very strong it was it, it was sad because you knew that he still had a lot of really great music in him um yeah the, you know, I mean, and, the, the, the real irony about his death and i was talking about this with with nisi um is just like i yeah i feel like i I feel like I know him so much better now, now that he's, after he's gone, you know, which is also has a real sadness to it. But because of all this stuff coming out now and more and more people talking about being open about what it was like working with him and everything. So yeah. his death is a tragedy, but at the same time, it's opened up this whole other chapter that's like, it's almost like rediscovering him totally again for the first time. Yep. I'm with you on that. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I feel like I know his music and and the man who made the music a lot better, thanks to a lot of the um, the testimonials from people who knew him personally. Mm -hmm. it's very, Absolutely, very nice too. And I, I I gather all that stuff up. I just completely engulf every new book and yeah testimonial and, and writing that people that knew him come up mm -hmm. with because it's like I need to. I just need to know. I just need to know. I need to read it. And all of the stuff, you know, like he would never have put out before that would never would have come up before, like these old photos and things like that, that just tell such a story. I mean, the stuff that's in the beautiful ones is just mind blowing, you yeah. know, um, and uh, like the, the, the Dwayne Tudor book and stuff, stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, oh, this wealth of information that we've so just wanted to hear for so long, you know, and then finally it's out again yep. for the first time rather. And it's uh, it's it's 
it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful it is, to just it, be, yeah. it is the silver lining. If there is a silver lining, it is yeah. It is our silver lining. It as, absolutely is. Yeah. As, as fans, fam, whatever of of Prince is that mm-hmm. we're able to get this now with him being gone that we never got before. We got that peek into his life, yeah. that personal personal portion of it because he he did seem to like to keep everybody at arm's length and. Um, you know that was probably self-preservation in many ways, but mm-hmm. um, that's no longer um, an issue. So here we are talking. Well, about- you know, he said it himself. He was like, "Well, you know, I don't know. I'll I don't know if I'll be able to put everything out in the vault after I'm dead. Someone will probably do it." He yeah. said that himself. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, well, this is what's happening. You know, yep, it's happening now. So we're here today to talk about irresistible bitch. We are. So a little bit of housekeeping on the song. Irresistible Bitch was initially released as a B-side to the fourth and last single released off of 1999 in the U.S. I think that there might have been some other singles released in other countries from the album. But speaking as an American, Irresistible Bitch was the B-side to Let's Pretend We're Married, which was the fourth and final single from 1999. Right. And we know... you know, Prince had been kicking around this song since late 1981, as we found out. If we didn't already know, based off of bootlegs and whatnot, we were we were treated to an early version of this song off of the recent uh, 1999 Super Deluxe Edition. Mm-hmm. So we got a version of this from 81, but the version that was released as the B-side was a um, a redo, basically uh, going back. He went back in the studio and put new music behind it, sang it in a completely different way, mm-hmm. added some backing vocals from uh, Wendy and Lisa. I mean, yeah. Wendy wasn't in the band in '81, and he didn't really have anybody backing him in any vocal form in the original version recorded in '81. So this was an '83 version that we're talking about today. Um, and it's a, it's completely different. I mean, it's got yeah. pretty much the same lyrics, but the sound is it's 100% different to me. Well, that's what I love about this song. I mean, if I could just go off on the, on the side a little bit, is uh, especially n- now that we have heard the, you know, quote unquote original version or the first version on the deluxe is just how it's the best example of how Prince could take one song and do it one way. And then through you know uh, production techniques and 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 certain changes that he makes have the exact same song but it, it actually just be a completely different um uh, emotion it gives you something else entirely you know so it's like you know in this in this case the uh, irresistible bitch that's on the deluxe version you know it's very like classic minneapolis sound drum machine and keys and he's doing the you know the jamie star kind of morris day uh, yeah. you know james brown you know like his uh, you know, that, that whole character is coming through kind of the pimp, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more like a comedy kind of thing, you know, it's funny and it's funky, but then, you know, he totally on this version, the, the one that comes out, you know, he just, he has these stripped down drums, this really like bonkers arrangement, you know, with weird stuff with like the, the bell and, uh, there's a tape loop of him sort of, uh, he's manipulating this tape of him saying irresistible bitch that you hear in the background. It's just like, weird backward voicing it's really psychedelic you don't even know why it's there and bass you know and a little bit of of uh, synth so it's kind of like the minneapolis sound wasn't even really huge yet you know wasn't really in the mainstream consciousness yet but he's already deconstructing it you know i love that and um creates this really paranoid like minimal just piece of of uh tension really really funky tension with the same lyrics and the same song but the production just just totally totally changes it make it makes it something almost disturbing it's really one of the one of his best uh best pieces of production yeah uh, i think yeah it's it's it's, it's really a mind blower this this version i mean i like the the original 81 version that we got off the super deluxe but this is this is Mm. the version that i i would choose if i if i had to choose a version yeah yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. I just, I, I think it's, and then, I mean, to me, there's also the third version they did with the Rev- Revolution that's in the, um, the DVD that came out with uh, the Purple Rain Deluxe. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing, you know, that's like this kind of the super banging, 
you know, raving kind of just, just funk rock jam, you know? And that's also another way of interpreting the song. So really it's like these three very distinct interpretations of this one song, you know, and they're all valid. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, so the way that he, the way that Prince um, delivers the lines in this song, it, it's very, um, I would say it's very like uh, speak singing mm-hmm. them like it's almost like yeah. a, a, a like, like a little bit of a rap song like sure sure and this is 83 so this version of the song is 83 and rap mm-hmm. was not super mainstream yet i mean we had artists like curtis blow and melly mel and run dmc yeah. were out but a lot of a lot of this the world and even the united states really didn't know idea what rap was or well just, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't mainstream yet but you know no. I mean, I would call it a rap, you know, and it's it's a rap in the same way that like the Vanity Six song, if a girl answers don't hang up is a rap, you know, sure. they're talking, you know, or like Rapture is a rap by Blondie or something, you know, sure, it's rap, but it's not like, you know, it's not hip hop, what it was going to, you know, it's not hip hop, you know, it's no, not what hip hop was going to be. It's not just a sparse drum drum machine track in the background that he's rapping over. Because, I mean, he's not doing it in the same style as the rappers that I already cited. He's not right. rapping these in that same in the same uh, tone he's yeah. doing his own like kind of i mean it's he he says them very quiet in some ways kind of quietly and a little bit of, like he's muttering under his breath in some yeah ways. but i know that 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 create that that adds to the tension you know it's a sort of like dead deadpan almost but really focused uh delivery like it's like he's staring right at you like he's like you know something's just not right in the way he's he's saying it like he's not right it's it's making him crazy you know he's really wound up sounding and yeah. i love that yeah, it's great. What is um snacks? What is your history of this song? When's the first time you recall hearing it? Gosh, I was wondering. I was thinking that I can't really remember the first time. I mean, I had the Let's Pretend We're Married twelve inch, and I, you know, I knew of the song. I guess I guess when I bought the twelve inch, you know, when I was, um, you know, snatching up everything I could could find that had to do with Prince around the Purple Rain era. That's when I got it. So it would be, it was after Purple Rain uh, or in the middle of the Purple Rain sort of mania that I got the song. Yeah. Okay. But not too far after its release then, though. No, 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 definitely not. I would say probably a year or a year and a half after its release. Because I would say a lot of people probably never heard the song until it showed up on the hits and the B sides in 93 because. Sure. Um, it wasn't, so, I mean, you couldn't get on the internet and just you know, download the MP3. It's like, right. oh, there's, there's a unreleased, or there was a print song that wasn't on an album. I need to grab that. And, and it wasn't one of the well-known B-sides. I mean, some of the B-sides were very, you know, they were almost hits in their own right, but this wasn't one. Right, because Let's Pretend We're Married wasn't a really big cross. And that didn't, hit. exactly. That was kind of them, them sort of mining for another single, you know, while they're waiting for Purple Rain to finish. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, my understanding, I was obviously way too young to be going to clubs in 1983, 84. But I, I, I got the sense that from doing just a little bit of research that this was kind of a minor club hit. Like, it, it got play in, in dance clubs. Um, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, like, it, they were able to flip this uh, flip this 12-inch over, and you got two for the price of one, basically, <laughs> for, for yeah. club bangers, I guess. Well, I was I was reading in the the Dwayne Tudal book. Uh, this was actually recorded around the same time as around Beautiful One, so he was already well into scoring Purple Rain, you know. But he knew that there was another single coming, so he wanted to put out something. Obviously, wanted to put out something new, like he always wanted to put out something new, the latest stuff. So that's when he recorded this. So I think it's kind of it's interesting. It's sort of it's this in between point between what he was doing in 1999 and what became Purple Rain. Yeah. Yeah, it was 83 when he was recording the music for Purple Rain, and that's when this version of the song was recorded. Because like a lot of the, the 1999 era songs and B-sides were, came from 81, 82, mm-hmm. but not this one. Something else about this song that I, I that really uh, drew me in when I first discovered it was like, I was like, I couldn't believe how like cool and somehow disturbing and just bonkers it was to me that he would get a woman to come in to sing Irresistible Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking that was like so radical somehow. And yeah. so like, how does he do that? Like, how, how do you convince, how, is, how does he convince a woman to sing Irresistible Bitch? And she was only singing that one line too. So it's like, what is he trying to say? You know, it just seemed like some kind of like statement, but I wasn't really too sure what kind of statement that was, you know? 
and somehow it's also so sexy, you know, it also speaks to like uh, how women like just can totally relate to what he was doing. You know, when I did this song, um, I performed this song at, at a Prince tribute concert and I had, I was singing with um, a girl that's vocalist, my friend Noah, and she had never heard the song before. And I was like, I'm going to see how she responds to this. I was like, okay, there's a song by Prince. And basically it's called, you know, it's called Irresistible Bitch. And basically on the chorus, you just have to, you have to say, Irresistible Bitch. She was like, oh, great. I love it. <laughs> you know, like she was right on board right away without even hearing the song. It's like, it's like Prince just had this way of like communicating with women. Like he just got it and they got him, you know, and I, I think that's, that's also really prevalent in this song. It's obvious in this song, you know, it's all in that chorus. But it's, I'm pretty sure it's Lisa who's singing it or maybe it's both of them, but I just, I just love that. I love that as a, another great production trick on that song. Well, it doesn't hurt that he prefaces the word "bitch" with the word "irresistible." Sure. So it yeah. kind of, is and also, also, he's the one. He's the one who's suffering in the song. You know, she's yeah. got all. She's got all the power. It, it's know, not. She's... It's not mean. It's not supposed to be nasty or mean or no. misogynistic. It's. It's like, God damn it, woman. <laughs> yeah. You're causing me all this heartbreak. And because, all you're this so pain because you're yeah. so irresistible. Because you're so fucking irresistible. I know. You know, and some, and that's giving, like you said, the woman all the power in this song. Yeah, she's like, got, she's got the agency. Yeah, she holds and the like, cards. Uh, taking ownership of the word bitch. That that is something that's happened over the decades, especially oh, like totally. in, in in some hip hop circles, like for female rappers to call themselves back then. It was still scandalous. Yeah. Yes, but back exactly back then. I mean, we did have a couple. Ah, I was trying to think, a couple of songs from other artists that used the word bitch. Well, there's an Elton John song, "Bitches Back," I think. Right. Was, sure. Yeah, it was. It was there. It was there, but it wasn't like you know the way that the word is. No, it wasn't today. prevalent. Not not even close. Yeah, it wasn't prevalent, and um, I don't think any of the examples that I can think of were by black artists. So, uh, sure, just another one, just another um, layer there to to consider when thinking about the song and how it was perceived potentially by. Yeah, there's a lot. That's why uh, this song. There's a lot to unpack with this one. That's what I love about it. Okay, well, let's start unpacking then. Okay. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> yeah, right. let's get to the lyrics. Every Friday night I call your butt up on the phone. A deeper voice answers and says you're not at home. Now if you think that I'm a fool, we'll go for any line. Then honey, put down all your money. You win every time. Bitch. I love the way you walk. Bitch. I love the way you talk. Just a bitch. And I really dig the way you kiss. Oh, mama, I wish I could. So, as we already mentioned, Prince is basically just kind of whispers speaking these lines. So, just think of that in the context of what we're talking about. So, first verse Every Friday night, I call your butt up on the phone. A deeper voice answers and says you're not at home. Now, if you think that I'm a fool who'll go for any line, then, honey, put down all your money. You win every time. So that's our yeah. first verse, and, and, and kind of in this verse, he's establishing, in my mind, he's establishing that he's not this woman's really kind of main squeeze or, you know, no. airy relationship. He's kind of the side piece. Yeah, yeah. And he knows it, too. And it's interesting because in this version, the, the released version, um, he switched the verses. Like in the first version, the second verse was first. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm not really too sure why he decided to do that, but I think this this verse kind of establishes sort of the story first, like the dilemma, you yeah. know, of what's going on here. Like she's 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 the one. She's obviously with someone else. Um, he's calling her anyways. It's almost like he's a masochist, you know. Yeah, he's 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 taking the role of a, a masochist, or I guess um cuckold in some ways where yeah. she has she holds all the power in mm -hmm. from from a sexual standpoint from um a social standpoint and whatever relationship and i'm using air quotes because we don't really kind of get a feel for what kind of a relationship they even have other than a physical one no and it's also like it's also it's basically about his obsession you know yeah. and that's i also think that's another thing about his delivery the way he says it it's just the the way he he's he's speaking talk speaking these lyrics it's not like the first way where he was kind of like oh i'm just you know, screaming and isn't this funny 
it's more like oh, I'm really serious this time. Like I'm super into this woman. I it's almost like I I I don't I don't I can barely control myself, you know. Um, and that comes off that comes off in these first few lines. Yeah, and the the last couple of ones lines in this verse where he talks about um, you know putting the money down if if she thinks that he's going to go for any lines like well he's basically telling her to bet on him being continuing on with this path of just uh-huh. being obsessed and he's like you know i i'm helpless and you know it so if if you were a betting woman that i would continue to uh hang on every word that you say and just kind of be mm-hmm. there in the background waiting for you to pay attention to me guess what you win because i absolutely will continue to do this yeah, it's it's very cuckold, like you said. Yeah, you know, for sure. Putting himself in that submissive position, and I also think that's another uh, that's another trope, that's another device that he used. Well, pretty much through his whole career is is money, like money somehow getting in there. He definitely had a fixation about like money and betting, and you know, I mean, all the way from the you know, I want to be your lover. You know, I ain't got no money. You know, and uh, yeah. you you and uh, Zach were talking about horny toad. It's in there too. You know, I don't want your money you know, put down all your money, you know, that's always, that was always a big, that was always a, a device of his that he used quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Good observation. Mm-hmm. You absolutely yeah. nailed it. There's multiple instances of, of money being brought up mm-hmm. in songs that have really nothing to do with money. Yeah, exactly. It just sort of comes out not- of nowhere. Or, or money don't matter tonight, you know, stuff like that. He's always something he's bringing up, you know, quite yep. often. I think it's may, maybe it's about status or whatever. All right. So then the chorus, um, and as we've kind of talked about already, the line irresistible bitch is sung by uh, a woman or women. Mm -hmm. Um, The song is credited to having both Lisa and Wendy in it Mm -hmm. as as background vocals. So if the two of them are singing irresistible bitch together, it's it's very in sync. Like their lyrics are their their voices are in sync together. Yeah. So it's really hard to distinguish which one is singing or if they're both singing or whatever. It is. They have similar voices anyway. So yeah, they do. They do. They do sound very similar regardless. And so it's irresistible bitch. And then Prince says, I love the way you walk. Irresistible bitch. I love the way you talk. Irresistible bitch. And I really dig the way you kiss. Irresistible, oh mama! I wish I could resist. So, yeah. I mean, the, the chorus is just essentially repeating the the concept of the song, where this this woman is irresistible to Prince, um, just loves everything about her—the way she walks, the way she talks, the way she kisses—and mm-hmm. he knows it's not healthy. He knows that he, you know, in many ways, he's not in this re- in a very healthy situation. He wishes he could resist her, but he just can't. He just can't. Nope. And that's that's what he said here. I think that uh, that that uh, rhyme scheme, like walk, talk, and everything, it's sort of just like it, it, it's kind of very much like okay, this is this is a chorus now. You know, this is what people are gonna like sing or or chant along with. You know, it's not the the most like mind blowingly clever <laughs> you know, collection of rhymes. But it gets the mm-hmm. uh, it gets the point across, and yeah, it's what the song is about. And yeah, it's also just like it's so it's just great that he would have a sing song chorus of uh, that 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 are the words "irresistible bitch." <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, great you know. that he would he would have women sing that line. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it was it's good it's a good idea if you're gonna sing a song about a woman that is 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 so dominating in the relationship and you want to call her a bitch it's really it's really smart to to use um, also kind of um, terminology that paints her in a an attractive light like Mm -hmm. he loves everything about her he loves her appearance he loves how she kisses him and she's just irresistible, which is which is a positive trait right I mean most people would like to be considered irresistible uh, in some ways Maybe not, maybe not so irresistible that they're constantly being bombarded by um, potential suitors. But irresistible. But is not she's a also dri- but she's also driving them crazy too. I mean, that could also be why, in his eyes, she's a bitch because, like, God, you're so you're so yeah. great. Like, I can't have you. Like, you bitch. You know what I mean? It's really a lot of levels. You know, it's really it's really very meta. You know, and then having Wendy or Lisa or both of them sing it it's almost like she's laughing at him too you know it's like yeah you're right i am the irresistible bitch and 
I'm going to just sit here and sing my little song. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Exactly. Yeah. And it's a call and response and everything. It's just, it's, um, it's a very, very cool um, construction there of a chorus. It's great. My partners ask me why I take so much abuse. Why am I so faithful, honey? Why are you so loose? They say, why am I the one who never gets to take you home? But they don't know the things you do to me when we're alone. Irresistible bitch, I love the way you walk. Irresistible bitch, I love the way you talk. Irresistible bitch, I really dig the way you kiss. Irresistible. Oh, mama, I wish I could resist. Hurt me. Hurt me. Okay, so then moving on to the second verse. The second verse goes, all my partners ask me why I take so much abuse. Why am I so faithful, honey? Why are you so loose? They say, why am I the one who never gets to take you home? But they don't know the things you do to me when we're alone. So what are, what are your thoughts on uh, the second verse next? Well, it's sort of another thing that he uh, would repeat a lot in lyrics. You know, all my friends are telling me this. Like, people are telling me that. Like, it's like he's concerned about his reputation you know they're like his friends actually you know, like why why haven't you taken her home yet you know like we all have you know it's like it's, an, <laughs> yeah. it's another very like it really portrays his insecurities you know that's like oh my god i can't have you and not only can i have you but like everybody knows that i can't you know it's just like it, it even like it it deepens the uh the sort of humiliation that, you know, this is what they're saying about a situation. Like, he's, he does that also, and uh, he might have also done that in I Want to Be Your Lover um, and some other tunes. But in this one, he does it as almost like his friends are like, yeah, I mean, you know, why haven't you had this woman yet? I mean, like, we all have, you know, what's wrong mm -hmm. with you? You know, it's almost like he's so, he's overly concerned about his, his reputation and how he's going to, you know, come across, you know, and it really, it deepens the insecurities. It portrays more of the insecurities about, about this, this character, this one who wants the irresistible bitch, you know? Yeah. He does come across very insecure, especially in mm -hmm. this verse. And what I pick up is this song really kind of revisits some similar themes to like, uh, I guess a good one would be when you were mine. Um, yeah. Another song where he kind of plays the cuckold, you know, she's got mm -hmm. all the power, she's sleeping with other men, uh, and he just has to kind of sit back and, and live with it and live with yeah. knowledge and accept it if he wants to continue to be with her. She's like, you know, this is this is how it is. If you don't mm -hmm. like it, go find somebody else. But, you know, if you want me, you're going to accept who I am and, and what it is that I'm doing. And, and basically your place on the on a totem pole of, of yeah. my my relationships and and you know my sexual partners mm -hmm. he's kind of mm -hmm. low he's pretty low on that list <laughs> yeah funny. i know i know i know and there's a paranoia there too you know like the implication being that like people are talking about him too like you know yeah. what what are they what are they saying about me what are they thinking about me you know what's do they do they think i'm not measuring up is she saying something about me you know it could really you could almost hear his thought process you know in there that you know he's he's worried about really concerned about you know his 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 standing here in this situation yeah he's definitely concerned about his his um his image how it, how he comes across as being in this relationship despite because you know for a lot of men like being in this position isn't very isn't a very masculine way of of being part of a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, it's like, this is this is not cock rock. There's the the not. idea that the man has to be in control and and the person who kind of um, at least on equal terms, if not if nothing else. Yeah. But to to have a lower position, a lower standing in in a male female relationship, society has mm -hmm. really never <laughs> been overly accepting of that. I know, and to apparently like be coming back for more too, <laughs> like to know it, and that like not change, not wanting to change the situation. You know, I mean, we'll get to that in the last verse. You know, when, when he says all the things I gain. You know, he's he is somehow he is getting something out of it to himself. You know, as well. Yeah, he's getting what he needs, or what he feels like is enough to mm -hmm. to get him by. And they don't know the things you do to me when we're alone is is a great exactly. way of expressing that in this song right so then after that second verse he moves on to the chorus again and the chorus is the same as the first time that he sings it 
so I won't repeat that. But he just does add a couple of lines here. I don't know if it's ad lib or whatever. He says, hurt me, hurt me yeah. after that. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like just more of the the feeling that this is a an emotionally <laughs> emotionally abusive situation mm -hmm. that he's in. Hurt me. It's okay. Uh, I could take it. Well, he was also very into, I mean, he was exploring, you know, bondage in his work at this time. I mean, like take the automatic video, you know, he's on the yeah. bed and he's being whipped by Jill Jones and, and Lisa, you know, so he's, he's asking to be hurt and he's, he's asking to be hurt here too, you know, literally. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can practically see him with, you know, handcuffs on. Yeah, so it certainly can be interpreted as a as a literal pain and just an mm -hmm. emotional pain, or both. Right. I mean, it's 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 a line that works either way. Where it is in the song, uh, it's almost like a like a call out, like something James Brown would say, like you know, like horns, you know, or take it to the bridge, you know, hurt me. Except it's hurt me. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> who exactly. says who that, says that's... hurt me? You know, it's like. <laughs> It's such a like hurt me, oh, hurt that's, me. yeah, hurt me. It's like who wants no, no one's yeah. who wants to be yeah, hurt. I get that you same know? thing. That's that's yeah. um good observation. It is kind of like a it's an, it's like an accent, line you know. To, but when you when you think of when you really listen to what he's saying, it's it's uh, it really turns out a whole thing on its head. Still on my honey. Played it off like it was a joke. Stealing on my honey, baby, keep you by my side. So he's been really like mostly speaking as we've said multiple times speaking these lines but now there's a section of the song where he sings he actually sings yeah. He um, says the line, stole all my honey, played yeah. it off like it was a joke. Stealing all my honey, baby, keep you mm -hmm. by my side. Lead me till I'm broke. He sings those lines. Yeah, I always uh, thought it was fun, interesting that he's changed uh, money to honey. You know, he's stole all my honey. You know, it's like, okay, it's interesting, I guess. Yeah, yeah. money would have worked if he wanted to put the, that word in there because it... Mm -hmm. it it matches what he's trying to say, but he doesn't use the word money. He uses the word honey. Yeah. And uh, but honey, like you said, honey could be. Uh, you could you could interpret that in, in a number of ways. Well, money is very mm -hmm. like it's very specific. You say the word money, sure. everybody knows. And when you say you know, bleed me, bleed me till I'm broke, that means you know take take all my money. So, I yep. my guess is that maybe money was in there originally, and he he just changed it to honey. You know, in the in the recording who knows but you know it could definitely have been money yep exactly stealing all my honey keep me by yeah. my side me tell him broke so he's not only giving her whatever time that he has available to when she needs it but <laughs> you get the you get the impression that he's all she's also using him for for money and there's they bring up the money thing again you brought mm -hmm. that up earlier mm -hmm. and brings it up yeah. here in this in this section of the song you talking about money yeah so Boy, he's just, he's really got it bad for her. If he's not only allowing her to, not allowing her, but, you know, allowing himself to be in a relationship with a woman who isn't faithful, who isn't yeah. exclusive. And then also, hey, by the way, I need some money for this. And he gives it to her. Okay. I know. I know. Yeah. In the next verse, he even gets, he talks about this even more. He, he goes back into this, dives back into this well about giving her physical things. He says, Mm -hmm. Hell if I know why I let you drive my car. Don't I know yeah. that walk will get me very far? Sure, I know that crying over you is just in vain, but all the things I lose don't add up to all the things that I gain. I love this yeah, but, verse. But, 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 yeah, it's great, which begs the question. And I love that little, ooh, afterwards. You know, that's such a great <laughs> hook. Yeah, I love that. And right. begs the question, what is he gaining? You know, what is he gaining out of this? I mean, that's that's a question we all ask ourselves as listeners to this song because he kind mm -hmm. of leaves very, very open ended. I mean, yeah, sure, yeah. He apparently it's good sex out of it, but what else? Because right. he feels he feels a bit like used from a financial standpoint. He's given her his car mm -hmm. to drive around, which means he has to go walking around. Well, I think that his... can also that can also be a metaphor. I mean, the way like honey is a metaphor for money or whatever else. I think drive. How if I let if I let you drive my car? You know, drive my car can mean 
hell if I know why, I, you know, we're screwing or hell if I know why a lot of things, you know, or literally yeah. driving my car, you know, it's, yeah, you know, I think that, exactly. that line, that line can be interpreted a number of ways as well, I think. Sure thing. Absolutely. And in, in, in either way you interpret it, though, if you literally, if you think he's literally talking about a car, his automobile mm-hmm. or something else, the impression is still that he's giving away something. He's giving up something in order to continue to be with her. Yeah. And something that that he values, something that he is important to him, because now in this in this um, this verse, if it's a metaphor, what he's essentially saying is that because I gave you this now, I, everything's harder for me. You know, I'm yeah. not getting, I'm not getting anywhere with you. It seem, it seemingly this, these lines seemingly look like a very straightforward black and white description of what's going on. Like, here's my car, you know, um, right now I got to go walk. But obviously like to your point, it could mean something else. And we're just, we just have to look at it from the standpoint that he's giving up something important to him. Mm-hmm. Because she asks for it, you know, and, and he's going to give her what she what she asks for. And I think the only thing that we can interpret about what he's gaining is that. I mean, he gets a thrill on, like, giving giving his stuff away. I mean, that's definitely a thing. I mean, there are people that, you know, they, rich guys who just, you know, they get an erotic charge from, like, spending all their money or even getting robbed or something like that. You know, it's like, that is a fetish, totally. You know, people wow. who like they want to lose everything or like, you know, they want to be just taken advantage of financially uh, or many any other ways. And that's that's I think what we can infer is what he's getting out of this, you know, completely lopsided relationship is that. Yeah. Is and that the fact thrill. that he puts that line, but all the things I lose don't add up to all the things that I gain towards towards the end of the song. Mm. is smart because it kind of sends us out on a note where like you yes. feel he he knows what he's doing you yeah know? That, that, i he's totally a, agree he's yeah. a grown man who's making these decisions consciously mm-hmm. and at the end of the day if it all if it all nets out on the positive side for him okay mm-hmm. it really is a, it really is a whole story we're starting out with this like you know person that he's like basically obsessed with and by the end, you realize that maybe this is a game that they're actually both playing. Mm-hmm. You know? exactly. And yeah, and in a way, it does, it does, it does put you on this note of like, okay, he's going to be all right. <laughs> yep, he's, he's, he's going to be all right at the end of the day. He's going to make it. After that third verse, then it goes back into the chorus. And once again, the chorus is pretty much the same as the previous couple of choruses. Yeah, uh, he talks about loving the way she walks and talks and kisses, and he wishes he could resist. And he even repeats the "hurt me" line again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes back into the the honey section, uh-huh. where she steals all his honey, played it off like it was a joke, which is the same line: "Stealing all my honey, keep you by my side, believe me till I'm broke." So he repeats that. So it's kind of yeah. like a, a another part portion of the chorus. Mm-hmm. And um, at this point now. After saying those lines again, I mean, we we're skipping some music, and I do want to ask you one thing because sure. for me, this this as a musician, this song is very distinct in that bell sound that that yeah um, repeats itself throughout the song, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's doubling it once, it's I'll doubling say, what the synth doubling what the synth is doing too, which is so super yes, cool. Yes, and I've said it once, and I'll say it a thousand times. This isn't a music podcast; it's a lyrics podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> I rarely have an opportunity to have somebody who creates and, and plays music on my podcast. So when you played this song mm-hmm. uh, live, you mentioned that earlier, what did you do to make that, that sound? The bell sound, you mean? Yeah, the bell sound. Um, I had I have samples, you know, I like, uh, you know, tubular, tubular bell or church bell samples. I mean, I have a million samples in my hard drive. So, you know, I just found one, found one that was similar, and I programmed that in there. It is a very distinct sound, yeah. But it was, uh, um, you know, y- you can find uh, percussion samples for pretty much any piece of percussion you can imagine, and good ones too. So, yeah, that was what I used. Okay, okay, good. I just had to ask because I love that sound, and it. No, please ask away. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to to talk about that stuff too. I mean, it's a cool. it's a podcast about lyrics, but you know, the lyrics are going or to music so I'm, I'm happy to talk about that any other questions you have <laughs> uh yeah no that that I mean i think for me personally because this song uh has that such a distinct sound with that that bell 
that mm-hmm. ringing bell, ding ding. Yeah. Um, it just, I just love it, and it, it just makes this this version of the song so much more interesting to me because I don't. It's not a like with the irresistible bitch version that we got off the super deluxe. The music is is not dissimilar from a lot of other songs that we've heard around that yeah, era. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this uh-huh. one. This one has a very distinct sound to me that is unique to Irresistible mm-hmm. Bitch. Yeah, like I was saying, I, I feel like I feel like he took the Minneapolis sound and was deconstructing it. Basically, he was like, "Let's make it even more minimal." You know, let's just have it really be, you know, drums, barely a bass line, and just a two-note synth line. Let's see what we can do with that. You know, and he makes a whole thing out of it. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, are okay, you going to go so... into the everybody dance part? Because yeah, I, everybody. I love yeah. that. I love I love it. That just comes out that just comes out of nowhere. It's like yeah, and it's like it's such a dark song. It's such a dark song. And he's like kind of telling everybody to get up and dance, but in this really kind of ominous sort of sinister sounding voice it's it's fantastic i love it so I mean, unique. at the end of the day this is this is a very danceable song in spite of in spite of its lyrical content and kind of some yeah. of the darker overtones it's it can the drum beat allows you to dance to it if you wanted to and and yeah it's almost like he's it's almost like prince is giving us as the listener permission to enjoy this song for what it is yeah, it's like oh, don't be so don't don't feel bad about my position that I'm describing in the song. Don't feel like you have to feel sorry for me as the singer or the the subject of the song. It's all good. Everybody dance. Yeah. <laughs> See, I look at that part as actually quite quite dark. You know, I mean. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I'm, because I'm I, I think I think that funk music and and gets a lot of it gets it's almost gets too much credit for being all about good vibes and stuff. When actually it, there's a real, there can be a real darkness to it. Like if you listen to Funkadelic and, and stuff like that. And then also, you know, some James Brown too. Definitely Prince. And this this part is a great example because it's almost like it's these deep voices that are saying, everybody dance. I mean, they don't sound inviting. They sound like they're almost like threatening you. Like if you don't <laughs> dance, then something uh-huh. bad is going to happen to you. It's like you better do it. Or else, you know, just with the whole sound, with that weird, with the tape manipulation and the the bells, they almost sound like, you know, ominous, like funeral bells or something. It's like, but it's a, it's a dance beat and it says everybody dance. And it's almost like, it's just, it's creepy almost. It's eerie. There's an eeriness about it that uh, is so appealing to me. And I don't feel that like maybe his music or funk music in general doesn't get enough uh, credit for 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 bringing about darker themes like that, and I think that one section of the song totally nails it for me. Yeah, you're right. The voice the voice used for the everybody dance isn't like your just it isn't just Prince singing it. If it is, it's it's a manipulated, yeah, um, deeper, slow down. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not slower, but it's it's a manipulated version of his voice. If it is his voice, sure, sure. It's not it's not the typical Prince singing or speaking voice. It's dark. It's deeper. Mm-hmm juxtaposed with that ho 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 it's, it's so, <laughs> yeah, it so it's so psychedelic it's fantastic it's a little bit yeah you know with with the the female voice and then the really deep male voice it does ha- offer a little bit of a, a creepy vibe to it in spite yeah. of the in spite of the the words that they're saying everybody everybody dance mm-hmm. which implies like good times as you as we've talked yeah. about you know, yeah. like, oh, everybody dance. Everybody's going to dance and have a good time to this. But it's... Yeah, are we? Like, you know what I mean? That's, that's the question. <laughs> it's we? like, yeah. it doesn't sound like we are. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> with her, with his deep voice and her like voice on top, it's basically the whole story again, you know, is we're being reminded of the whole story about this conflict, about this tension, you know, and about this really, you know, for one, <laughs> let's call it a strange relationship. It's a strange relationship, you know, even before that song was written. Yeah, strange relationship before the song. Yeah. And certainly, I think, for me, Irresistible Bitch does a lot of things right, from the music to the lyrics to the ending. Yeah. It just oh, nails yeah. it on so many levels. So many. That I, I just love this song. And it was a grower for me personally. I didn't. I can't honestly say I thought this song was... 
No, it's shit. not. It's not immediately accessible. You know, it, it definitely isn't. It isn't like you know when I was talking about delirious. You know, with that that keyboard lick. You know, you either you're with it or against it. You know, but this one is like you, you got to listen to it a couple of times and you're like, okay, you know. But then like once you just get into it and you you know you really get into that story, you really get into that place. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in agreement on that for sure. Absolutely, yeah, we I would say so. Both love this song. And um, I think one of my that favorites. we, yeah, me too. Especially from mm-hmm. like, from in terms of B sides, it's easily uh-huh. top top five of all time. B sides, if not even definitely. higher. I, don't know. I haven't ranked them personally, but Horny Toad is definitely one of my faves too. Oh, that's cool because yeah. a lot of people think that's kind of a much more slighter version, or you know, slighter even than Delirious. But you really like Delirious, so Horny Toad has 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 stood the test of time. I mean, I like Delirious now. I mean, I'm not crazy about it like I was before, but I love Horny Toad. I mean, the keyboards <laughs> on that are just brilliant. Yeah, that's cool. And so, um, snacks. Any final comments or thoughts on on Irresistible Bitch? Oh gosh, I mean, I think that we 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 covered quite a lot of it. But uh, you know, for for what a three minute and thirty second song, I just say that there's a lot in there. There's a lot to discover, a lot to get into, and if you don't know this song. Just take some time and really listen to it because it's a winner. Agreed. Okay. Well, thank you again, Great. Snacks, for joining thank me. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah, really cool. And best of luck to you with the rest of this project and with everything else. And um, yeah, I look forward to more episodes. So this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brenninger. I wanted to thank Snacks for joining me on this episode. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>